0: Okay, so we're up to the top of Daf Kufyat Bezim the Mishnah The Mishnah was discussing a scenario where the Yavama claims they've been married, they did Yibam a month ago, within a month, more than a month, and the Yavama claims they were never together. And she would like Chalitza. He claims, no, we were together, and uh, here's your get. So the question is do we believe him and it gets enough, or does she need Chalitza as well? So we said in the Mishnah, within 30 days we believe her, that we believe they were not together, and is enough. After 30 days, then a get, a get is what you need. The question is, all she's claiming is they were never together. She's not claiming she doesn't want to be with him. So why are we giving chalitza a get at all? Just force them to be together, right? It's not like, we're so in the, moments, in the mindset of like, they want to end the relationship, and the question is how? But why? All she's claiming is we were never together, and therefore if this is going to end, it should end through Chalitza. He's saying, no, we were together, if this is going to end, it should be through Geth. And the question is, who would we believe? If if we believe her that they were never together, then just be together. Then just do yivim. Like why, why are we forcing them to get divorced, forcing them to do Chalitza? Just make it work. Like Why do we assume that this is over? That, that's the question. It's not like It's not like she claims adultery. He so what's the, what's the, what's the Gemara is kasha. Instead of forcing them to do chalitza, force them to do yivam. So the Gemara answers. The case is where he already gave her a get. So he already gave her a get. So she claims, he claims this is the get because they were already living together, they already did yibum, and this is a full get. She says, no, this get is the type of get you give to a yivama as like a get to break the zika, but it's not enough to actually end it. we never together. We need chalitza. So therefore, this marriage was ending anyway because there is a get. The shila is whether you also need chalitza or not, but you definitely need a get. Ah, here's the kasha. So you're telling me the case of the Mishnah where we know it's over is because there's already a get. There's a shayla is you also need chalitza. The problem is this brysa, we're going to have a brysa, and the brysa doesn't sound like there's a get, and it's the same kasha then. Mesa, I have a kasha. The brysa says... So within 30 days she says we were never together and therefore I want chalitza. It doesn't matter what he says. We believe her. Within 30 days if she claims they were never together we believe her. Therefore she needs chalitza. Again, pause. It doesn't say anything about a get. So why are we forcing them to do chalitza? Let them get married. So we said before, because she has a get. There's no get here. Keep going. After 30 days... Then, we ask him to, to do chalitza. We don't force him to chalitza because we believe that it's a possibility that they were together. So why, why, why do we believe that Within 30 days? Within 30 days, it's possible that they were not together. But after 30 days, it's just unlikely, unless they admit to it. Let's say after 30 days, she says, we were together, and he says, no, we were not. We believe her, because it's past 30 days, and she claims they were together, they were together, you just need a get. Let's say, after 30 days, he says, we were together, and she says, no, we were not. Even if the man changes his mind, you need a get in a chalitza. why? It's been 30 days, so we assume you were together, a get, but because she claims they weren't, it's like her way of saying, like, it's like Shavia Nafsha hatichah di'isura. nafsha nafshah hatichah di'isura is a concept that even if someone, uh, if someone makes a claim, even if the claim, it's like a nether. When she claims they were never together, that's her way of saying, I make a nether, I need chalitza. Like, I'm making a nether that the get's not enough. So because she claims that, you need to do chalitza, you need to do a get. Now, here's the kasha. We said before, the only reason why we're ending this marriage is because she already got a get. And then the shayla is, do you need a chalitza on top of that? That does not sound like it from the b'raisa. The b'raisa said in the first case, chalitza. The second case, get and chalitza, it doesn't sound like from the b'raisa there's always a get. So the Gemara answers two answers. Um, Rav Ravami says, no, when the first part of the b'raisa says it needs chalitza, it means with the get. Meaning, it's like, it's not speaking it out, but there, there's already a get here. And Rav Ashi says, Get le zikase, hacha get le Ravashi says there are two different types of gin. There's a get to end the marriage, and then there's a get that you give a Yavama to end the Zika. So when the Braisa says that she needs a get, I I thought she already had a get. The answer is she had a get for the Zika. That's why we know this marriage is ending. She didn't necessarily get a get to end the marriage. There's two different types of gin. There's a get that you give to a Yavama, and then there's a get that you give to your wife. So, therefore, the braisa could be referring to when it says you need a get. I thought she already had one. The answer is she has a get for zikasai. She doesn't have a get for, for, for marriage. Now, <clears throat> the, we'll just get to the two dots to end the um, <clears> sugya. <throat> there were two people who came in front of Rabba. Rashi explains the case was it was after 30 days. He claims, she claims they were not together. He claims they were. But then he changed his mind. So it's after 30 days. So you need a get. But she claims they were not together, so you need a chalitza also. That was what we just said in the Brysa. Rabbi says, Rabbi just said, just do a chalitza. You don't need a get. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. We just had this mamish, same case in the Brysa that after 30 days, if she claims they were never together, you need to get and Chalitza. So why are you saying Chalitza? You need to get and Chalitza. Okay, if that's what the Risa says, I, re- I, re- I retract my statement. Here's an interesting shayla. You have this couple that comes in front of you, right? And they say, we've done Yibam for 30 days, but we were never together. They're arguing back and forth. Were they together or not together? During this whole deliberation, do we have to stop the co-wife from marrying? Right, You always have two wives, right? Both are usher until one of them does yibam or chalitza. So this, this lady's like, I'll do yibam. The co-wife's like, thank you, yes, fine. So she does yibam. The co-wife is, uh, goes on dating app. She's, she's looking to get married. We find out 30 days later that this the original wife who did yibam, they haven't been together yet. So while we're trying to figure that out, do we have to call the co and say, hey, stop? Like, they didn't do Yivam yet. Or do we say, no, even if we think they may not have lived together, we're not going to stop the co You understand what I'm saying? Meaning, do we have to be consistent and say, well, if they never lived together, then after uh, up to 30 days, then 30 days, after 30 days, do we have to stop the co So the Gemara says, The answer is no. But just because we're being machmer on them, meaning we don't know whether they live together or not. We're going to be machmer, but to be so machmer to stop the co wife from from trying to get married, that, that we're not going to do. That we're not going to do. Okay, let me explain the next part of the Gemara and and how it's re- it's, it's it's easy, but how it's related to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah. I just want to make this uh, make this clear because we haven't done this Mishnah in, in, in it. Oh, it was from yesterday's daf, and yesterday's daf was uh, was a uh, was not done live. So let, let me just explain. If a woman we, we if a woman makes a neder it's possible for her to make a neder in asr to be with any man forever and that would obviously prohibit her from from doing yibum. in which case she would have to do chalitza so we had a case yesterday where a woman makes a neder not to have any benefit from her brother-in-law right so the question is does that prohibit yibam so we said it really depends on when she made the neder meaning Rashi believes that it doesn't actually asser her from being with the husband because that's Hannah and Mitzvah level headness and they knew. fine. But the question is, <clears throat> do we make them do Chalitza? Do we recognize this nether? So he said like this, it depends when she made it. Meaning, is it clear that she made it to get out of Yivam? If it's to get out of Yivam, we're not super thrilled about that. We don't like the concept of a woman playing the system to get out of Yivam. So he said like this, if she made the nether while her husband was still alive, we don't assume she thought her husband was gonna die. Meaning if, if she makes a nether, I swear I'm not I'm not going near my brother-in-law. So if she made the nether when her husband was alive, we just assume she hates her brother-in-law. And she wasn't trying to do anything to She doesn't anticipate that her husband's gonna die and that she's gonna fall to evil. Nobody thinks that way. But if she made the nether after her husband died, then she obviously was basically addressing Ebam. That was that was the concept in the Mishnah. Therefore, if she's addressing Yibam, she's trying to get out of the way of Yibam, we don't force him to do Halitza, we ask him to do Halitza. Because we don't really like the fact that she's trying to get out of Yibam so much. But if she did it when her husband was alive, then we force him to do Halitza. Okay. This concept of does a woman, and, and how it's related to the next Gemara, is you see from the Mishnah that when a woman's husband is alive, she doesn't think her husband's going to die. She doesn't think like planning ahead. It's going to be related to the next Gemara. The next Gemara is like this. Generally, if a woman forces her way out of a marriage, there are ways to do it. It's rare, but there are ways to do it. Let's say she, she just says, I'm not being with my husband anymore. I make another, I'm not being with my husband anymore. She refuses. The truth is that's cause for a divorce, meaning he has the right to divorce her right away, and she forfeits her Ksuba. However, there are scenarios where she is the cause of the divorce, but she doesn't lose her ksuba when it wasn't her fault. I'll give you an example. If a koyin, the wife of a koyin, is attacked and raped, so she can't be with her husband anymore, but she's not going to forfeit her ksuba, obviously it's not her fault. So if it's her fault, so to speak, she'll forfeit her ksuba. If it's not her fault, she will not forfeit the ksuba. That's what the basic premise of the next three cases of the Gemara. The Gemara says, Tanan Hossam, Beri originally there were three cases that were causes for divorce, not her fault, that Chazal just it, it took her word for it. There are three women that, based on the following claims, they get divorced and they get their ksuba. What are those claims? The first one is if the wife of a kayan claims that she was raped. So even if she doesn't bring forensic evidence, we believe her, because we don't assume that she would say that if it wasn't true, and she gets her ksubah. Second one is, If she claims the husband's not with her, meaning not that she's not interested in being with her husband. She goes to court and says, my husband refused to be with me. So such a claim, obviously it's not her fault, but we believe her, because no one would lie about that. And that was the second reason why someone would get divorced, and she get her ksuba. and The third one is, if she says, I swear... I am not going to be with any man ever. Now, the reason why we we don't blame her for that is because if she was interested in getting divorced, she wouldn't say, I am have for every man. She would say, I am have from you or some men. The fact that she answered all men, Rashi says it must be that she physically has discomfort when she's with men, and, and it's a medical condition, and that's why she's just saying, I'm not going to be with anybody ever, and therefore it's not her fault. Because if she was just... Anti the husband, she would just say, I'm I'm also to you, I'm not going to be with you. The fact that she's saying, I'm not going to be with anybody, means that she's not going to be with anybody. And it's obviously she's going through something, that's not her fault. Now, originally we would just accept these three claims, and she would get divorced and keep her exuberant. Now here's the problem. There are women who would play the system, right? You're the wife of a kayan, and you, you meet your old boyfriend, and you're not interested in being with your kayan husband anymore, and you want out. So what do you do you claim you're raped right and then you get the k'suba. no proof no proof needed you say or you say uh or you say uh i'm usher to any man uh, i'm not gonna have relations with any man and then you just go across the world no one knows who you are and you just marry this guy meaning it was a way out of, it was a way to get divorced and to get your k'suba. so chazal did not like apparently women were taking advantage of this and therefore the Gemara says no we don't want a woman to take advantage. So, therefore, they changed the rules. Let's go through each one. If a woman claims that she's a and, she's a wife of a guy and she claims she was raped, uh, she, has to, she has to bring proof. Now, the proof could be, I don't know, like medical records. It could, she has to bring proof that she was attacked. She can't just claim it. Number two, the second case where she claims that her husband is not with her anymore, instead of just getting divorced, we send rabbanim to talk to the husband, try to figure out what the deal is. Now, if it's taka true, and and we can't convince him to to be like a regular husband wife, then yeah. But if if maybe it's due to something, I don't know, maybe whatever, and we try to intervene. And the last one is If she claims to make a neder that she's not going to be with any man ever, then We make the husband do ataris nedarim, so he's matir his chelik, so he's allowed to be with her. Then, if he chooses to get divorced, she can't be with anybody until she does ataris taras He can't be; he's not going to be matir neda for everybody. He's matir for his chelik. Fine. Now, what does that have to do with anything? The question is like this: If this woman claims. I swear I'm not going to be with any man when she's married. Does that include the yavam? Meaning, Rashi explains, there's two ways to look at this. Either she knows, she anticipates that her husband's going to die at some point. It's possible. And therefore, when she claims not to be with any man, she means any man, including the yavam. Or no. No one thinks that their husband's going to die. You know, Rather, what she really wants is to get divorced. She wants to get divorced. That's what she wants. But she can't just say I'm a to my husband, because then you're playing games. So she's saying I'm asleep to everybody, forcing her way out. But she, she's not asking the of them. She's asking right now every man that's eligible if I were, if I were to get divorced. Because she's really interested in divorce. She's not interested in her husband dying. She's interested in divorce. She's anticipating divorce. So she's asking every man because she's anticipating divorce. But she's not anticipating givum. So because she's not anticipating givum, meaning when she makes a nether, who is she thinking when she's assuring? Right now she's married to this guy. Right. These are the other people uh, eligible if she gets divorced. So she's definitely ossering everybody. But the question is, is she assuring even the yavam, Or saying, no, she's not thinking that her husband's going to die. She just wants to get divorced. And therefore she just doesn't want the husband to think that she's interested in getting divorced just to marry someone else. So she's going to osser everyone once she gets divorced. They're also osser. But a yavam who is not eligible upon divorce, she wasn't thinking about. That's the question. Was a person, when they make that nedr, are they thinking their husband's going to die? So the Gemara says, well, this is related to our Mishnah, if you think about it, right? Our Mishnah said that when a woman makes a nedr and her husband's alive, she doesn't think, right? When she says about her brother-in-law, I hate my brother-in-law, I swear I'm not going to, you know, interact with him, when her husband's alive, she could still do yibum because she doesn't think, she's not thinking her husband's going to die. So it's clear from our Mishnah that a person doesn't think her husband's going to die in fall to Yibam. So to over here, when she makes this nether, she doesn't think her husband's going to die and she's going to fall to Yibam. So the Gemara speaks it out. Does a woman anticipate that her husband's going to die when she makes the nether? So Rav says that the Yavam, meaning, um, um, meaning she does not anticipate the Yavam. She does not anticipate her husband dying. The yavam is not included and there's no Hatar ne- necessary. She never answered the yavam. Shmuel Amar, No, she anticipated the husband dying and she answered. So our Mishnah, which clearly indicates that there's no anticipation for her husband's death and there's no anticipation for Yovam, is like Rav. So the Gemara says, Rabbi, the next page, Now our Mishnah, Clearly indicates that a woman does not think her husband's going to die because she doesn't anticipate Yivam. So that's obviously like Rav. So the Gemara says no. The Gemara says, The answer is no. It could be a woman anticipates her husband's dying. I, our Mishnah, says not like that. Our Mishnah is talking about a case where she has kids. For her to do Yivam, not only does her husband have to die, her kids have to die before her husband. Such a situation, she doesn't think there's going to be evil. Meaning, a woman anticipates that her husband might die, but she doesn't anticipate her kids dying before her husband. That she doesn't think. So therefore, our Mishnah, which indicates that a person doesn't think that his husband's going to die, doesn't think it's going to be evil, is talking about a case where she has kids. So it's not that she doesn't think her husband's going to die. She doesn't think her kids are going to die before her husband. That's why. But if she didn't have kids, it could be Shitaka, plans that out. So Gemara says... Oh, so let's say in our Mishnah, if she didn't have kids, she would anticipate her husband dying. Yeah, was there? Good? I'm not getting, I'm sorry, with the kids. Well, Meaning, our Mishnah says like this Our Mishnah, she's married, she says about her brother in law, I hate that guy, I don't want to interact with him at all. So we're saying in the Mishnah, she could do Yibam because she doesn't think her husband's going to die in Yibam. She's just saying, I hate my, my brother in law. So you see, she doesn't anticipate her husband dying. The answer is no, no. The case of our Mishnah is where she has kids. Not only, so for her to do Yibam, not only does her husband have to die, her kids have to die before her husband, right? If you have kids, now but if someone has kids, kids die, then the husband dies, there's Yibam. So the, the, all the indication from Mishnah is that a woman doesn't think there's going to be Yibam. Yeah, because she has kids too. Meaning, in our Mishnah, if she had no kids... And she asked her, she hated her brother, she said, I hate that guy, I asked her. She actually meant Yibam, because she knows the only thing separating that guy is that guy. (laughs) But because she has kids also, she doesn't anticipate her kids are going to die and her husband's going to die. So the Gemara says, meaning, so our Mishnah is not so clear. Our Mishnah is only talking about a case where there are kids, so why doesn't the Mishnah speak that out? So the Gemara says, oh... Then the Mishnah should speak that out. That when do we not think that there is going to be Ibon when she has kids? But if she didn't have kids, then she then we do ask that the husband uh, you do chalitza. Meaning that should be spoken out. El Shmamina, rather, you see from here, Rav, Shmamina, rather, we reject this possibility and we assume that a woman does not anticipate having to do Yibam. Under all scenarios, she doesn't think her husband's going to die, whether there's kids, whether there's no kids. Uh, that's the, that's, that's the p'sak and it's like Rav, Shmamina. Okay. Very, very long Mishnah. Most of these cases we did on Shabbos, which the two brothers, one's deaf-mute, one's healthy, whatever we did a lot of these cases. I brought the kahati. Usually the kahati is, um, um, is the same order as the printed in the Gemara. If I go out of order, can you tell me? Because I'm basically just going to be learning it from the kahati straight. It is not, uh, not incredibly difficult. It's just long. It's basically the entire parakel of Mishnayos in one giant Mishnah. So let's run through it together. Cherish, Shenosa, Pikachas if a deaf-mute man marries a healthy woman, so that is a rabbinic marriage. As long as one of the spouses is a deaf-mute, it's a rabbinic marriage. So, or or a healthy man marries a deaf-mute, if they'd like to get divorced, they can. Okay. Now, Um. okay, well, the Chiddush is, we're talking about a case where he was a chayrish from the beginning because yes. that he can still get, divorce a woman. Meaning that a chayrish who was always a chayrish for the entire marriage, because the marriage is rabbinic, we allow him rabbinically to divorce her. Meaning, how do you divorce? Or I he can't speak, so we don't know what his intention is. The answer is, how do you get married? If he was healthy when he got married, so it was a biblical marriage, and he verbalized, then he can't do it. But because he started off the marriage deaf-mute, so he got married through gestures, meaning rabbinically, so we'll rabbinically allow him to get divorced. Oh. But if he was healthy, and he married her healthy, and then she became a deaf-mute, so it was a biblical marriage, Imrati Yoitzi, now by the way, Imrati now he could divorce her because he's healthy. right? He's healthy. She's the one who became a deaf-mute. And by the way, I, she doesn't have Das anymore, whatever. You don't need Das for divorce. The woman doesn't have to have Das. Lo Yoitzi. But if she becomes mentally ill, you're not supposed to divorce her rabbinically because um, then she'll not be protected. We don't want to divorce, as I mentioned on Shabbos, we don't divorce women that are mentally ill because um, uh, they need people to protect them from from, uh, from, from harm. Oh, well, Let's say... So he stays in this marriage forever. Well, he gets a second wife. Nishtata, <coughs> he... let's say he started off healthy, so it was a biblical marriage, then he became a deaf mute, so then he can't divorce. Because his divorce, which is only rabbinic, is not enough to end the biblical marriage. So if he becomes mentally ill, he's not allowed to get divorced ever. So if she becomes becomes a deaf mute, he could divorce her. If he becomes a deaf mute, she can't, he can't. What's the difference? The difference is, when it comes to Gerashin, you need the das of the husband, you don't need the das of the wife. So as long as he's healthy, even if she becomes a deaf mute, you can divorce her. But if he's not healthy anymore, you can't. It's just contingent on his das, not her das. Why is it that when he becomes a deaf mute, he can't divorce her, but when she becomes a deaf mute, she could. A woman can get divorced against her will. But a man can only divorce... Uh, with his Ratzon. And once he becomes a deaf mute, we don't know his Ratzon anymore. Yeah. <speaking in> hey, <Hebrew> Rav Gudgoda ala Chareche Shashi avia. Rav Good Gudgoda was married on a certain deaf mute woman that her father married her off. Okay. So she is a biblical wife. She yites beget that she can get divorced. Why she's a biblical, why because she's a... her father married her off. Oh. So it's a, yesh But... That's actually interesting. Bakati calls it an kamura. I actually don't know if that's biblical or not. I this is um yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe maybe he means the Dirabana. So it's an beget That she's macabre the get, meaning even though the father married her off, she could be Makabal to get. It doesn't have to go to the father. Um, they said the truth is this is not just true by someone who's deaf mute. Uh, this is true by healthy uh, healthier women as well. Okay, now the cases that we had a couple of days ago. Shnei achim you have two deaf mute brothers. is They're married to two deaf mute sisters. Again, as long as the spouses are deaf mute, one of them, it's derabanan to get marriage. So you have two brothers married two sisters or both sisters are healthy or one's deaf-mute, one's not it doesn't matter, as long as two men are deaf-mute the the marriage is rabbinic anyway or instead of the men being the deaf-mutes the women are the deaf-mutes it doesn't matter the combination as long as the husband and wife as the two men are deaf-mutes or the two women are deaf-mutes it doesn't matter what the other people are if one of them dies, there's no Yibam or Chalitza. Why? Because the two brothers marry two sisters. So if one of them dies, that means a sister is falling to Yibam by the brother. And if a sister is falling to Yibam by the brother, there's no I. It's only a rabbinic erva. It's a rabbinic marriage. <laughs> the whole thing's rabbinic. It's a rabbinic marriage. And it's a rabbinic erva. So there's no Yibam or Chalitza. However, if these two women were not related, then yichnasu. Then they, you do Yibam on the deaf-mutes. If you don't want to divorce them, you can. Notice, as we had two days ago, there's no option of chalitza, because there's no chalitza, it. you can't do chalitza if the woman's a deaf mute, or if the man's a deaf mute. So therefore the only option is Yivam. Shnei achem, you have two brothers, echad one's healthy, one's a deaf mute, married to two sisters that are both healthy. So you have two brothers, one's a deaf mute, one's healthy, married to two, sister, married to two uh, sisters both healthy, so one marriage is biblical, one marriage is rabbinic, so if the cherish died, so his wife is falling to Yibam, now that marriage is only rabbinic, so now you have a rabbinic Yibam falling, there's nothing, because she's falling to Yibam by her by her her what? her what sister's husband, right, it's two brothers married to two sisters, so she's not going to do Yibam, but what about the opposite case? Ah, Let's say the one who was healthy, married to a healthy woman, died. So that was a biblical marriage. So there's a biblical mitzvah yibum. but they're falling to the brother. The brother, however, is rabbinically married to the sister. So he's rabbinically married to one, but he's got biblical zika to the other. So what is that? He has to divorce his wife because the zika of the sister prohibits him from staying with his wife. However this woman who's falling for Yibam is Aser forever until he dies why? can't do Chalitza because he's a Cherish can't do Yibam because he was rabbinically married to the sister so she's just stuck there's nothing to do until he dies she's just Aser You have two healthy men married to two sisters. It's the exact opposite case. It's, by the way, it's the exact same halacha. It's just instead of one man being a cheresh, this is one woman being a cheresh. But it's the exact same halacha. So we hear... If the one who was healthy died, so his wife falls to heaven, so they were healthy, so there was a biblical marriage, biblical zika, falls to the brother who's married to the deaf-mutes, so that's a rabbinic marriage, so what does he do? He has to divorce his wife, and he does chalitza on, on the woman who falls for heaven. Unlike the other case, where you couldn't do chalitza because of the other case, he was a cherish, over here he's healthy. So, so he, does, uh, he does chalitza. Shnei Achim, we're almost done these cases, Shnei Achim, you have two brothers, One's deaf mute, one's healthy. He's married to two sisters. Okay, got two brothers, two sisters. Healthy to healthy, deaf mute to deaf mute. So if the deaf mute died, so his wife, who's rabbinically married, falls for Yivum. So nothing, because it's two brothers married to two sisters. It's a chosisha. Ah, so let's say the one who was healthy died. So his wife, who has a biblical Yibam, falls to the brother. But the brother's a deaf mute, married to a deaf mute. So he has a rabbinic wife. So his, he's rabbinically married to the sister, but he has a biblical Zika. So what's the halacha? This is the same halacha. He divorces his wife. And the other woman's also forever, because he can't do Halitza because he's a deaf mute. And he can't to Yibam because he was rabbinically married to the sister. So she's also forever We have, the same halachas. Two more, uh, three more cases shnei achim two brothers one's deaf-mute and one's healthy is married to two women who are healthy non-related to each other so you got two men, two women two brothers married to two women one's healthy, one's a deaf-mute pikachas. So the deaf-mute dies, so his wife falls for Yibam. You either do chalitza or Yibam. And let's say the one who was healthy died. So what does the brother do? The brother's a deaf-mute, what does he do? So he does Yibam, but he doesn't do chalitza because he can't do chalitza. Fine. You have two brothers married, two healthy brothers married to two women who are not related. One's healthy, one's a deaf mute. The one who is married to the deaf mute dies, so the deaf mute falls for Yibim. So what do you do? You do Yibam, but you don't do Chalitza because Chalitza is not an option. If you want to divorce her after, it's fine. And if the healthy one dies, so now the healthy woman falls for a healthy man so either do Yibam or Chalitza last case of this Mishnah Shnei Achim you have two brothers one's a deaf mute and one's healthy Nesuna the Nocher is married to two women who are not related so healthy to healthy deaf mute to deaf mute so the deaf mute died and his wife who's a deaf mute falls for Yibam so what does the healthy one do? kindness Right, he does yibam, but no chalitza, because uh, she's a deaf-mute. And then he could divorce her. If the healthy man dies, so his wife who's healthy falls to the deaf-mute, then what does he do? Kainus, he can marry her, but he, he can't to chalitza because he's a deaf-mute, and he cannot do a get. So Kainus, because he's a deaf-mute. So, because he was, uh, I guess we're talking about a case where he was healthy and then became a deaf-mute in the beginning. No, yeah, because she was healthy when the marriage started. So you marry her, and then you can never divorce her. Okay, let's just do a little bit of the Gemara. It's very easy Gemara. The Gemara just points out like this. Um, It's clear from our Mishnah. The Gemara wants to know, there's three scenarios, okay? A Chayrish and a chareshes have rabbinic marriages. Does a Shota have a rabbinic marriage? If you go over to someone who's crazy, Mamish insane, is it anything? No. Why not? Why do they make a rabbinic marriage for a deaf mute, but they didn't make a rabbinic marriage... Also, a katan, right? If a a nine year old boy goes over to a girl and says, nothing. So they didn't make a rabbinic marriage for a katan. They didn't make a rabbinic marriage for a shaita, but only a cherish. Why? A is because a cheresh, is, a cheresh can, is, is you could you could be married to a cheresh. exactly. The Gemara says Amrav Mochama Maishna Cheresh Vichareshes Tekina L'rabban Nesu'in. Why is it that a cheresh and a cheresh? There's a rabbinic marriage. Umayshna the shayta as opposed to a shayta. A shayta doesn't have any marriage. Why? Deloit Tekina Rabbanon Nesu'in. Detanya. shayta v'katan shenasu nashim mameisu nishumim peturis mina chalitzah mina Right? If a shayta or a katan get married and then die, there's no yibam chalitzah because they were never married. Because there's no rabbinic marriage. So, why why is there no rabbinic marriage? So, the answer is what everyone says, and that is, that, that marriage can work. They're nice people, they're adult people, they're mature people, they just can't communicate. But it's possible for it to work. The made a rabbinic marriage. You know, if a man or a woman are a shaita, they can't exist like that. You couldn't make a rabbinic marriage for that. Why? You can't stay with a snake in one basket. Because they're crazy. If people are No, I'm serious. They're, 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 they're like they're institutionalized level crazy. You can't live with that. So they're going to make a rabbinic marriage for something that doesn't work anyway. Uh, so my, what about a katan? You could have an 11, 12-year-old boy. Uh, he's probably... He uh, could probably make it work. <laughs> they're getting married at 13. So you think 12 is so crazy? So why, why is the Chazal didn't institute a marriage rabbinically for a katan? The answer is, The answer is very simple. The reason why they did not make a marriage, they made a marriage for a cherish, but not for a katan, because a katan is going to be of age. Yeah so just wait like why should we make a rabbinic marriage when if you just wait a year you could have a biblical marriage a will never reach the age it'll, it'll never unless they get healed they'll never be able to get married so we had to do it oh what about a katana here's the deal you could marry a katana katana is a rabbinic marriage right the brothers and the mother marry her off that we've had that many times the whole mean thing so a katan, they didn't want to make a marriage for a katan because why would we make a marriage just wait but a katana, we do. What's the difference? When is there a rabbinic marriage by a katana? When her father dies. You have to realize that the, this is not 2022 America, an 11-year-old girl getting married and then the man getting arrested. That's not what's happening here. This is the husband died, The father died. There's no one to take care of her. There's no one to protect her. There's, so she's going to have to collect money. And a lot of them... Would, turned into prostitutes a lot. It was like a very, very messy situation. And therefore we rabbinically allowed them to get married by the brothers and the mother because to protect the girls. That's why they did it. Now the last one is, you have a katana that has a rabbinic marriage and then there's miyun to get out of the rabbinic marriage. A chareshes, which is a rabbinic marriage, there is no miyun. Why not? Right, there's miyun for a katana until the age of 12. A chareshes is a rabbinic marriage until she's 95. There should be a mion the whole time right? rabbinic marriage should get you out of it why not her status hasn't changed or the katana she's changing she's oh, maturing. so i think the gemara is going to answer sort of what you're saying the gemara says the answer is you have to give the katana right to protect the katana she has to have a way out but here's the thing it's going to be a hard sell to get someone to marry them knowing that any time they just complain to anybody, the marriage is over. A katana, which is a limited time, it's just the age of 12, fine. A chareshis, which is for the rest of your life, no one's going to marry a hareshes knowing that any time she gestures to someone that she wants, she's got that pull the plug. It, it's, it's, it's too much of a chaotic situation. Therefore, Chazal did not allow Mion in such a scenario.